The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being an intentional spirit, and we have loved serving you for the past seven years. You are just an amazing audience. Not only are you dedicated to living intentionally, but you share our show with people all over the world, and we are so grateful for you. Well, you are in for a treat today. We have the one and only Paul Selig. He is a psychic, a medium, and an award-winning author of channeled text. Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a it's such a pleasure uh to have you. I had I've heard about you from various circles. You're you're mm-hmm. quite well known. Your work um precedes you, that's for sure. Thank you. Well, um how did you get on this incredible journey that you're on now? Did you have an awakening? Did you have a mystical moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've certainly followed you, and I know I'm just wanting you to share it with others. Sure. Well, you know, I was raised something of an atheist in New York City, and I was raised to believe that, you know, people like us didn't believe in God or, you know, a higher power or anything. When I was about 25, I, I hit a real wall. I had a list of things that I had to have achieved in my life to make me okay, and I got the whole list, and I wasn't okay. And really, you know, out of sheer necessity, not because I thought it would be nice to get spiritual, I began to to pray, and I actually heard a voice telling me to get my act together, and I listened to it, and that was the beginning. Um, It was the first voice in retrospect, but, um, yeah, I did. I had a bit of an opening um, shortly thereafter. There was this thing happening called the harmonic convergence. I heard people were going to be waking up. And at that moment in my life, because I had so little baggage, I thought, well, if there is a God and he has to be woken up, why would it want to say no? So I went up to the roof of the building that I lived in at the time, and I tried to teach myself to meditate. And um, I ended up having an experience of energy. And uh People later said it sounded like a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. I heard soul awakening or Shakti Pa. I don't know really what it was, but for me it was an experience of energy moving through my body, you know, from the base and up through the top of my head that sort of, you know, left me frozen on the roof. And I think given 
how I'd been raised and where I came from, the idea that there could be a palpable experience of of something more was extremely important to me and served as an anchor. And then I started to see little lights around people after that, and then I studied healing um, to get a context for what I was beginning to experience. And then I found that when I had my hands on people, I could hear things for them, and it would be proven out accurately. And then I, I began channeling, although I didn't really believe in channeling. I was mostly interested in the energy that was coming through me. And this was all when I was a very young man. I was in you know, my early 30s when I studied healing, maybe 30, 31. And it wasn't until my late 40s that the guides started dictating lectures through me. And um, that's the work that people know of now. So there's now, gosh, six books in print and a seventh that will be coming out shortly. And the books are all of the... Um, they're all the the transcripts of the channeling sessions. I really don't write anything. It's all recorded and transcribed, and we don't edit. So it's as the the teaching comes, as, as it's received by the reader. So that's that's the short version of the story. And how was that for you in, in the beginning? Uh, did you just step right into it, or you're like, okay, this makes sense, even though I never would have believed it. Did you just become it, or did you ever resist, or like, sure. why me, or I don't want to do this? Well, I, I never I? thought it made me special. I don't, I don't buy that, and I'm cautious mm-hmm. around that when I see people going down that road or trying to make me special for it. Right. One of the things that I noticed and when I when I when people say to me they want to channel, you know, I go, why? You know, why do you want to do this? Really, what I'm doing is taking dictation. That's my job. And mm-hmm. so it's not terribly sexy. And it's, you know, it's it's like being a, a, a stenographer in a court or a radio in a broadcast that's not your own. So, you know, there's been resistance pretty much every step of the way. And when I first started hearing information, I was apologizing for it. And it took some time for me to begin to sort of allow it to come as it does. But, you know, my work always came for other people. You know, when I was first opening up as a clairaudient, it was to help other people. And um, and the channeling that I do, the guides I work with are teachers, so they come through to teach. You know, I was a teacher for many, many years, at, you know, as a college teacher at NYU, and I ran a graduate program at a small college named Goddard in Vermont, and I had another life, so I wasn't looking to be known for this work. Um, And it wasn't until the book started coming out, and I think the first one was published in 2010 and just dictated a few months prior, that I began to be known for this at all. So I've often wanted to hide under the couch, you know, with this stuff, and it's a process of discernment and learning to trust and really sort of being worked with to become, I think, adept at at what I do, which is really hear what I say and then render it to to those who are open to hearing it. And so one of the original uh, thoughts that you were sharing was that you, you know, had this idea of being an atheist do you feel that uh, sometimes when people, you know, say to me they're an atheist and I go, I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they look at me kind of odd and they go, you're a spiritual leader and you think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I go, yeah, because I think that people that are atheists talk about God a whole lot more 
than people that feel like, you know, God is something kind of unique and special. And I also feel that often people are saying, I just don't believe in that God that traditionally, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that people Mm -hmm. are talking about, not that one. And I don't believe in that one either. So absolutely not. Um, Has that been, um, how did you identify with with that? Or was that any kind of shift for you? No, it wasn't baggage. It wasn't coming from universal law or is it spirit or do you? Or my idea of God. Is is that what you're asking? What what my idea of God is? Yeah, yeah. Well, initially, and and at this point, it's changing again, I suspect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, the guides I work with actually have been lecturing about you know, the unknowable and the nameless, you know, and that any idea we have of God is a way to be in comprehension with something that's almost beyond comprehension, um, but can be known, you know. And they talk Mm -hmm. about knowing is not based necessarily in language or history, but in experience. So I think it's changing again. Initially, you know, when I was 25 and I was praying, I was in some hotel room in St. Paul, and the Gideons had left a little Bible in a drawer, and I dragged it out and said, prayer for people in crisis, and I knew I was in a crisis. So that was my first introduction, which was, you know, I guess it's like what they're talking about. But, you know, I've never been a religious man, and I wasn't raised with it. So, you know, my first introduction to anything organized probably was unity and it's because i had a therapist who you know told me you know gave me a copy of the daily word i mean that was when i was in my 20s late 20s mm-hmm. but that was the that was as much context i suspect as i had and it's 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 continuing to broaden you know and i'm i'm a student of the work that comes through me i'm not really an expert in it so i'm just along for the ride i love that you say that you know, knowing is uh, so much of our experience, and I, I, that's such a. It is a. Perf, it's a simple and profound statement because um, often people identify with knowing as, you know, what I make on my mind score, you mm-hmm. know, or how smart yeah. I am, or you'll hear people so often just go, "Oh, I know that," mm-hmm. you know, "Oh, I know, I know," and yet. They will be the first to tell you they may know it, but it hasn't translated into, you know, really changing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that that aspect of it um, is that when you when you're really knowing something, you are having the experience of it, or you mm-hmm. have had the experience of it, and therefore mm-hmm. you know it. I I love that. That that's yeah. a different way than. Knowing leads to growing, leads to showing. Let's get let's get going. I don't yeah. need to be trying to sound like a nursery rhyme, but you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, your book, the Book of Freedom, is um, is soon to to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you actually, because you are just translating, do you have a recall? Um, do you go back and sit with them? These sacred friends and writings, and then you get more involved with them? How does that, no, how does that work? No, not really. I mean, the book, came, the book came out about two weeks ago, so people are having their experience of it now. Mm-hmm. My experience, I mean, this the entire last two books, I think, maybe three, 
um, were dictated before audiences. So I'm running a workshop or doing a live stream. I'm showing up and I close my eyes and I hear one phrase repeating itself again and again and again. And when I give it voice, the rest of the teaching tumbles out on top of it until the guides tell me to stop now. And then the recordings are sent off, and there's this wonderful woman, Joan, who's been transcribing everything. And then I'll read the transcription, perhaps, but I'm not studying it. Um, And my experience of reading the entire book usually happens when it's time to copy edit. Um, I'm so busy keeping up with the dictation, and I get so tired of hearing my own voice doing this that I really don't want to listen to it. It's easier for me to see it on the page, and then I'm always kind of amazed that it's coherent. You know, when I was proofing the book that's coming out in August, the only things I think that were changed were some tense agreements, you know, because I was speaking so fast, you know, occasionally I'll mispronounce a word. But, you know, so when I see the entirety of the teaching, I can have a different understanding of it, but I don't go back and re-listen or study. I'm I'm too caught up in the immediacy of the experience. I mean, I'm a radio, so that's how I, I describe my part in this. And when the broadcast is over, I just usually want to get some dinner, you know, or, you know, right, fall over right. in my chair. Yeah. Right. Which is, uh, you know, it's, uh, certainly this isn't my area of expertise, but my intuitive sense says that, that's probably why you're the perfect channel for these texts is that you aren't making it such a big deal or having all this emotional energy to it and therefore it just it just comes or um and and flows through you was it absolutely fascinating to you at first when when they started i'd been doing a group that met in my apartment for about 18 years and it was you know three people, 20 people, you know, I put up some folding chairs, people would leave 10 bucks in a basket. And that was how the work developed. And I had been a smoker, I, you know, I'd, I'd been a, a cigarette smoker for many years. And when I quit smoking, my abilities, which had been present and were quite surprising to me when they first emerged, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, kind of went through the roof. And I think that there was my central nervous system in retrospect was probably so busy grappling with the poisons in my body and, you know, the numbing that I was doing that once my system was cleared, that's when the lecturing really began to happen. And I was surprised. All I knew was that I was talking more. But I had always been interested in the energy that came through when I worked which was palpable, and everybody could feel it, and the guides would work with energy. And when I do workshops, it's the same thing. People have this sort of experience of phenomena, you know, that comes with the guides and their work. I wasn't that interested in what they had to say. That was cause, And it was because it was coming through me. And I was like, well, you know, you can't fake the energy. If the energy, we're all feeling the energy, it's here, but this is what I'm hearing, and it's coming through me. And at a certain level, I just sort of, got out of the way and when I started seeing you know I hadn't been recording or transcribing this stuff until the guides turned to somebody in a group and said you know Paul's not going to believe what's coming through him until he sees what's what's written down but I began to record and transcribe and that floored me because I had been a writer with terrible writer's blocks. So when these things were coming through these pristine lectures and usually like in five and seven page you know, sequences, 
every week, I was fascinated that this kept happening. And as soon as I was really willing to do that, they began to dictate the books. And they'll do an entire book over. The first book took two and a half weeks of daily sessions. Now I'll, I'll do them when I'm doing workshops. So it might be 30 days over, you know, three months. But I'm not channeling for, you know, two and three hours a day, which is how I was doing the first couple of books. Um, so that's been the process. It's It's continued to change. What a journey, huh? Yeah, you know, but it's I, I'm still scratching my head over it. I still think <laughs> I'm supposed to be showing up and, you know, teaching, you know, Aristotle's poetics to a bunch of college freshmen. I mean, it's what I did for 25 years, you know. I mean, it's so funny right. to me that this is what my life is now, but I'm grateful for it. But I, it's an uncomfortable relationship with it. You know, I don't claim ownership of this in some ways. In some ways, I suppose I do because I'm present and I'm used um, through it. But I'm also just very aware that I'm participatory to something that Mm -hmm. seems to be beyond me, that seems to have its own agenda, well beyond mine. Yeah, you're allowing it. Yeah. You're, You're allowing it to be so that others can be can be blessed or have an aha moment or an epiphany or a, a real-life altering experience. When you talk about guides, um, are they the same guides that you started out with? Is there a connection, relationship with that? I don't know. I, You know, I actually suspect that I was prepared to work with the guides I work with now through mm-hmm. showing up consistently. The first time I ever heard, once I once I began this work on my own, the first name I heard was the priest. And I thought, what's that? And then I heard the high priest, you know, and then I heard, you know, or was given, you know, another name, you know. And there's a lineage to the name and all of this stuff. But I tend to be very cautious around the investment one can have in identifying the source of the channeling where it gets into narrative. You know, when Mm -hmm. I was coming up into this work in New York City, I'd hear, and I didn't really believe in channeling, so I was already somewhat cynical, but I would hear things like, well, there's an Archangel Michael channeling on the Upper West Side, but if you really want a good one, go hear Gabriel in Brooklyn. And I thought, this is ridiculous. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's spiritual materialism, and it's, you know, it's the exoticism or the importance people attach. And it's not to say that there aren't people channeling those things or tuned into those archetypes or that energy. I'm not denying that. I am sort of saying that, you know, that doesn't seem to matter that much to them. They name themselves now more in the books than they used to. But I work with what I, I understand to be a collective. And I do think that I was, the, the relationships I have with at least some of this group predate this incarnation, that there's already a familiarity and a presence that, you know, precedes my interest in this thing, because I really wasn't all that interested in this stuff. It really happened, you know. It's something that happened. When I was a child, I had an experience. I had one out-of-body experience as a child, but I remember, and there was a being there, but I've often wondered if it's not the guides that I work with today, you know, because Mm. it had the same level of sort of 
I don't know, uh, I can't even describe it because it was such an odd experience, but this mm-hmm. same level of, of, of love and benevolence and awareness that I experienced as a boy. But I don't know that, and I perhaps I may never, you know. Mm-hmm. A familiarity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you uh, publicly still do readings and mediumship with people? Yeah. I mean, I do workshops all over the world now, so really, and I'm doing a lot of them. And I think it's just because I don't have a personal life, so I go, why not? You know, let's... Let's go to let's go to you know let's go to Cleveland let's go to let's go to London why not you know and um, and I enjoy it and I have an assistant that I travel with who I enjoy and you know I like doing the work you know I enjoy the work even because and, I, and maybe it's because I, I don't understand it so it's still interesting to me um, it's not a puzzle to solve so I, I'm on the road a lot and I live stream every week the guides are teaching and taking people's questions and and I have a practice and I do. The psychic work, I you know they they call me a medium for the living, so I have this odd ability. Like I may not get your 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 grandmother who's crossed, but if your grandmother's living in you know California and you haven't talked to her for two years, I can probably tune into her pretty well, and I may begin to look like her, and I can hear you know I'm like a switchboard, you know I can hear different aspects of people. So a lot of my practice is doing that kind of work, which is also sort of empathic, clairaudient work. And then the guides come through and they they support people as well. But I I don't do quite as much as I used to, um, only because I need to catch my breath with the travel. I just love your approach to the the whole, you know, life that is happening through you. Um, And it's so refreshing uh, because I have uh, been fortunate over the last 30 years to meet you know, so many people and authors and things like that, mm. and um, to just experience without ego and with just free being is uh, a true pleasantry. It uh-huh. really is. Um, Thank you. It really is special because I, I, I don't, I don't get that that when people start making it, oh, it's just about them, um, because it's uh, everything in life is channeled. Isn't it? I used to upset the uh, uh, some of the uh, diehard Unity people. I'm signs of mine too. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when I would say that, you know, we were doing this uh, work here, asking it is given or different mm-hmm. channels, and they would go, "Well, you know, that's channeled." And I go, "And how do you know that you're not channeling right now?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, why do we feel that we are the ones that own it? I mean, what is that about? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I so I just um I just love the freshness of your open spirit, you know, about all that. I'm just allowing myself to be used and and I feel somewhat uncomfortable when people like want to make it all about me or blah blah. That's um mm-hmm. it's unique in our self help field. It's just what I'm saying from yeah. my own perspective and my and, and some true experiences. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Thank you, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, what are um, we can certainly go to your website, um, mm-hmm. paulcelig dot com, and I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, right? I usually say Selig, but either is fine. Selig. Okay. Oh. No, we want to do it. 
Selig. Okay, so paulselig.com, that's S-E-L-I-G.com. So you want to tune in, and uh, for those of you when we go on break, tune in to um, finding out more about Paul and on his website, which is um, really well done, uh, by the way. And it gives all of the various things and places he goes and experiences that he has, and it's just really a pleasure to have all of you tuning in and being with us, and we thank you so much for your ongoing support of Unity Online Radio. You can go to templehays.com, or you can go to firstunity.org and find out about our spiritual community, and we'd love to have you part of us and join us on the various programs that we have. We're going to be right back following this short break, so stay with us. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes. But he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, so you're so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. 
Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us today. And We're having just a wonderful, rich conversation with Paul Selig, and you can go to his website, paulselig.com, S-E-L-I-G.com, and he is an individual that it's very evident he is doing what he's supposed to be doing and allowing it to happen through him. Uh, Paul, prior prior to the break, we were talking about, um, you know, you're allowing this tremendous ongoing work to happen through you and you are a radio as you mm-hmm. as you call it um how how does it feel i'm sure you get um emails and um conversations from people all over that because of the work and you know we can call it the work rather than you mm-hmm. um are there are there some stories that you go, gosh, I probably will remember that the rest of my life? Or are there some that you put in a file on your computer that you go, well, you know, when I'm wondering, okay, is this still what I want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have some stories you could share with us? I mean, it's an, I have, an, you know, an awkward relationship with these things because on on a certain level it's not me, you know, and when people talk about how they've been changed by the work. I'm pleased for them, but I kind of don't know what to do with it, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's an it's an odd thing. I uh, you know, um uh, somebody reviewed the new book today on on Amazon who's a scientist, you know, I can see the physicist or something, and he's talking about his experience with the book in terms of phenomena coming and changing his experience of reality. And I go, that's really amazing. But I'm not the one who's creating that. In some ways, I'm a doorway or a portal for these experiences that other people have. Something happened in a workshop, and I've been telling this story recently only because I'm I was so surprised by it. You know, in the newest book that the guides have coming, it's called um, Beyond the Known Realization. It's really a book about the realized self, the self who knows and embodiment. And in all of the books, there are these attunements that are energetic attunements that they work with. And 
there is an attunement in the new book, which is the claim, I have come, which they say is the divine as manifest in expression as you. And I was doing a workshop in, um, gosh, it was Houston a couple of months ago, and the guides had just finished the dictation on the book. And I was struggling with this claim, I have come, because it was like, is this for real? I mean, this is what they kept teaching in the book. The whole book was an unpacking of what they call the upper room, which they say is a higher octave of expression on this claim, I have come. And there was this older man in the back row, and he'd been quiet for the whole workshop, and finally the last a few hours of the of of the second day he raised his hand and he said you know i'm you know i my kids gave me you know the books that come through you and i i've had it's changed my life and i've had i've left the church that i've known and i don't know you know who's looking for community and he was uh an older gentleman and he was sort of you know very humble very quiet and the guides said to him they said make this claim you know and it's a simple claim, and the claim is, you know, that, that they teach, I know who I am in truth, I know what I am in truth, I know how I serve in truth, I have come, I have come, I have come. And that this man just stood there and he said it, and waves of energy flew off of him. I mean, the whole room was experiencing it. It was astonishing to me. And so I'm still floored by the phenomena that accompanies the work. And I like that there's phenomena, not because phenomena is exciting, but because it allows me and everybody else to have an experience of something that they can know. So that it's not about deferring their reality to somebody else. Like, I don't really want anybody to do that to me. I don't want it. You know, I don't have any space for it. But if somebody has their own experience of this, that's amazing to me and always is amazing to me. And so, you know, when the letters come, um, it's mostly about people's ability to claim this for themselves, which I think is the whole point of this, not not about me, you know, but about their experience of the work and, and how that's changed their lives. And it seems so clear that they are having these instantaneous, often, um, moments where they just it's like the light comes on yeah yeah i mean my light doesn't always feel that on so i'm happy for other people and you know one of the things that i've had to contend with is uh you know the fact that there's all this information i i met with an anthropologist a number of months ago and she interviewed me said well how do you know it's not just you you know and i was like well i don't, you know i don't think no matter how eloquent I may be, I'm capable of closing my eyes and dictating seven books that don't require any editing. I mean, I can say that, you know, but I am present for this. And when I can feel the energy of it, you know, which is something beyond my normal experience of walking down the street, although maybe one day it'll get to be walking down the street and being in that energy, which is what the guides are saying is possible for all of us, you know, I can I can claim it a bit differently, you know, own it a bit differently. I mean, as much as anybody can own this, you know, I'm, I am I don't know how other people do it, so I just can, and I actually don't listen to other channels and read them, and it's not that I'm not interested, it's just I'm trying to keep it kind of, kind of clean for me, so I don't have a lot to go on by way of comparison. 
I imagine it's been quite an adjustment because um, the the sense I have um, about you is that you are um, more introverted. Yeah. Would that yeah, be I'm a bit correct? shy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I I was a, I mean, I taught you know in a classroom long enough, and I'm comfortable sitting in front of people and talking. That I'm, I've got no problem doing, and it's actually almost the best part of myself is available for that, and was back when I was at NYU for all those years. But yeah, I mean, my social skills aren't as great as they might be, and you know, I just want to get a date. You know, I mean, that's what I say. You know, this has never gotten me a date. You know, I mean, it's really funny, but you know, there's it, there, it's it's a it's a kind of a lonely work in some ways, you know, and you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm the radio and I'm present as Paul, but I'm not the broadcast that comes through. And so people are having an experience of the broadcast and of the guides and sometimes of me when the guides really step into me, then it's a whole other thing that can happen, you know, which is which is interesting. And it's, again, sort of energetic. My eyes often turn bright blue. I have, you know, dark hazel eyes and, you know, it's really quite something. But, you know, I go back to my hotel room. You know, I come back to New York, I play with my dog, I take the dog to the dog park. You know, it's a very ordinary experience in many ways, you know, and that's how I'm experiencing my life right now. Maybe it's not always that, but that's what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, are, when you are at Echelon and some of the other places mm-hmm. that you that you travel to, mm-hmm. do you um, do group readings or are they one-on-one? I, I understand that you're lecturing, correct? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you know, they're you're taking just questions, downloading. Yeah. You're just kind of downloading, and yeah, and the yeah. guides are with you. But in that setting, is there like another space where you're doing like a group reading, or mm-hmm. are you? Um, I've taken some of those mediumship classes, and and people will sense somebody in the back of the room or in the middle of the room. It doesn't have to be in the back or whatever. And it's Uh real. You know, what what I found beautiful about that is I was in a class for a week, and uh, and there, you know, were like 50 people. And what was beautiful is every spirit that came through um, from the other side um, kind of resonated with the story within your own heart about Mm -hmm. somebody you loved or... Yeah. that died or passed or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. it was very magical, very yeah. magical. Well, I'm, you know, they call they call me a medium for the living. So I'm not necessarily, I mean, while on occasion somebody who's crossed will make themselves known in a loud way. And mm-hmm. I'll do that work. That's not my primary work. So okay. usually in a workshop, the guides are teaching. They'll take questions on the teaching. Um, to make sure everybody's clear. And then there's usually a lot of space for people to ask questions about their lives. And that's when the mediumistic work that I do comes into play, which is, you know, I have a 17-year-old daughter who's got an, you know, who seems to have a drug problem, or I haven't spoken to my mother in 10 years, or, you know, I can't, why do I keep losing jobs, you know? And I can tune into the person um, that's asking the question, and I can I become them, and I can hear what real what their broadcast is, and what's really going on, and the people that they ask about, and so in some ways I'm brokering, you know, at a higher level, 
um, a new a new possibility for the relationship or a new understanding. Mm-hmm. And the guides will come in and teach as well if that's specific to to what's needed. I mean, when people say, you know, what am I here for? And that's their questions. And they mean, you know, what's my career? I don't think the guides I work with could care less what we do for a living. You know, um, I think that's mm-hmm. choice, you know, and but they because as far as they're concerned, we're here to, to be realized. We're here to learn. You know, this is school. It's a great opportunity and we have choices and we're accountable to those choices. And those choices can be made at a higher level as we move into alignment with the higher. Our life begins to reflect that. Um, so they do the readings, and a lot of them, and they're great fun. And that's where I'm actually more present for the work, and, and I enjoy that work. I call it the psychic work because I'm working more at that level when I'm channeling. It's spiritual work. I mean, there, it's a different. It's a different hookup. It's a different broadcast that the radio is playing. And in your conversations over the last few years, and in just your own sense of knowing through experience are we making progress yeah i get we are i get we are on the collective yeah i mean i basically hear you know the collective has made a decision to move forward and the cost of that is some of the chaos that we're actually experiencing they said in the very first book, I Am the Word, that you know, humanity was at a time of reckoning, and they said a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, and that everything that's been created in fear needs to be renowned or recreated in a higher way. And you know, we have a great investment in a lot of these structures that are actually fear-based or have become informed by fear. And so watching you know, these towers sort of shake or quake is is challenging because you know the guides i work with say you know the small self knows itself through history and what it's experienced it it doesn't really conceive of what's beyond that and what's beyond that is everything else you know and so i get we're progressing yes and that we may make it i don't hear otherwise so i'm going to stick to that yeah, there. Yeah, I just resonate with that as well. That we've had so many systems. I mean, even any idea of God was a yeah. homemade system, yep. having very little to do with God at all. I mean, I'm fascinated. Continue to be fascinated by the teachings of traditional Christianity, and that you know, if if Jesus was the savior then what about the message you know where does that come in mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it is such a and is very interesting and I, I i love how you say it 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 does keep uh it keeps people small it keeps their awareness small it mm-hmm. it keeps their it's like they've never gone out of the house and by that i'm yeah. not talking about as an introvert i'm talking about the house of their minds or the um you know the further exploring of what their soul says that if someone's out there telling you what to do and how to be and all this that mm. they immediately question that i think that's what i have loved so much about new thought is i can never be part of something that's telling someone what to do exactly. you know that just would not work at all i couldn't mm-hmm. fathom that yeah. but i love to be part of something where i invite someone to know within themselves that they know what to do. It's mm-hmm. so different. 
in such a whole different energy. And for the small reality, that that seems to create more fear. What do you mean? Yeah. Everybody can just do anything they want to do and they're going to be okay. And, you know, you don't have any kind of system to keep you intact and keep check marks on you or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but it's the letting go of all that that does create, you know, that beautiful that beautiful freedom. I bet your book on freedom is um, is going to be quite exhilarating at this particular time in our incarnation. I hope so. I mean, you spoke to some of it just now, you know, and it really is about moving beyond the collective agreements about what's possible and how we can know ourselves and how we can know others and to stop choosing from the menu that we've inherited and start claiming what exists beyond it, you know, which they say is our birthright and our our own potential to really know who we are in a higher way. So I, I hope that I hope, you know, the message is heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I join you in that. How has uh how have these experiences changed you? I mean you were you know, obviously sharing some of the things that just became yeah. organically that you let go of of like smoking and you know, yeah. various things, but yeah. how how do you feel different? I don't know how to answer that anymore, you know. I used to say, well, I lost 130 pounds, which I did, but then I put a chunk of it back, so I can't say that anymore. And I can say that my experience of myself in the world is very different. My experience of being. And it's not that I, you know, I've let go of worrying because I'm still a good worrier when I choose to go there. But I also understand that I don't have to and it doesn't get me anything and that it's habit. And um, I'm aware of, you know, the potential, I suspect, for grace in a way that I didn't ever know was possible, you know. But has do I feel fixed? Do I feel like a new man? I feel like I'm somebody who's still showing up as best he can to learn. You know, that seems to be where I am. You know, I was told it's funny at the end of uh, I was I, the guides once said to, uh, to about me in a reading. I sat down with somebody with a list of questions, and they said, you know, what Paul doesn't understand is that his job is to hold the door open for others. That's what he signed up for, and. Um, and the person that I was speaking with was, well, that just sounds awful. That can't be right. And I sort of thought the same thing, like that kind of stinks. I don't want to just hold the door open. And at the end of uh, the Book of Freedom, you know, they, they're actually inviting the readers across a threshold through an open door. And they say, you know, Paul, you get to come too. And what I understood then, which I didn't understand up until then, was that the doorway where the books that was the door that I was holding open. And now the door is open for anybody. You know, it's open. It's open, it's open. And anybody can come in. So I'm trusting that I get to have this experience too, you know, and it seems that I am, and I'm grateful for that. I would imagine that in channeling these teachings that it would have brought a, such a, a level of being calm because you're keenly aware that there's so much more than just the five senses at work mm-hmm. and at play. 
Yes and no. If you think about a radio, you know, uh, when I'm channeling, the dial of my consciousness is turned to another station. And through the broadcast, I'm in the experience of it. And any time I want to turn to that broadcast, I can. I mean, that's how I've been attuned, you know, as a system at this point. It's always available, but I have to tune into it by intention. But, you know, I still have a consciousness, and if I want to play a lower station, you know, which is my fear or my whatever, my pride, whatever may still be present, I can do that and then have that experience of it. So, you know, we're always choosing the broadcast that we play is how I'm taught. And so the awareness that I have that choice is amazing. Do I always do it? No, because I still find comfort in the old, you know, and having a cranky day, you know, or or whatever. But the peace of knowing that this is there, you know, knowing that it was coming through you would give me probably more peace. The fact that it's coming through me is still a challenge because, mm-hmm. you know, who am I and what what the hell is this? You know, which is still occasionally something that I go through, you know, as this work continues to progress, because the teachings are getting farther and farther out as they channel these books. I mean, they're really talking now about how matter is recreated through consciousness and through higher alignment and how the they call the kingdom the awareness the presence of the divine in all things how the kingdom is is made manifest through the realization of the inherent divine and that's what they're teaching now and they're really speaking to physical phenomena and so i'm just sort of catching my breath and saying okay we'll see where they go next because i know that there's more to come yeah, I mean, I I can only imagine. I mean, it seems there would be a worth component in there somewhere of just the normalcy of like how you know how did this get to be me? <laughs> you know, there's a quote. I've never you know I tried to read a Course in Miracles when I was younger, and I I made it just a little bit in you know, and that was my me too. Stuff. Just a, just a few pages. It was dense, you know. Before. But there's a quote attributed to the woman who channeled it, Helen Shookman, and what I heard she said was, I don't believe it, but I know it's true. And that makes perfect sense to me, you know. Mm. It's so far out there, but when it's happening, it's irrefutable. You can feel it. You, I mean, it's being in your knowing. You know, when I'm channeling, I'm in my knowing. When I'm reading for somebody else, I'm in my knowing. I'm not thinking. I'm not figuring it out. It's there. It's present. You know, and I know that, you know, if that can be true for me, that can be true for everybody. But I think sort of maintaining a relationship with my world, you know, through this, it, you know, as long as I sort of do my best not to make it special, I can, I can be pretty effective with that. That doesn't mean I'm not grateful for it and having an experience of it that's high because I am, you know. Yeah, I, it's just it's so beautiful. And I, what I love about it is it's just so unique of all the guests I've had. It's uh, just really, you know, wonderful to sit with you and hear your uh-huh. your normalcy and your profoundness all at the same time, at the same door. It's just, it, it is very, very uh, rich. And uh, because there are, you know, people that, 
I, I mean, I, I meet them all the time that they want to be psychic. Oh, they would love yeah. to channel. And it was like me when I was in my shamanic training and, you know, someone put in my head that, you know, every shaman has a song. And I'm like, but I don't have my song. You know, we're so trained we're so trained that way. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Until I finally went, okay, I'll be a shamanic practitioner without a song. So, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. so I don't need a song. And then the song came. So, you know, it's just um, it's just rich to uh, to communicate with you in this way and and to hear more uh, about about your path and um you know what it looks like and um to still find a place to put it and that that's not easy and um when people are coming forward and you know you've changed my life or this experience mm-hmm. changed my life and um I have windows of that myself and I I hear them and I go thank you for saying that and yet it's really you who changed your life. I yeah. I do understand sometimes people want something to put it on, and yet I definitively know that, and half the time what they heard me say, I didn't say anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's just the way it works, right? It's mm-hmm. like they hear the things they need to hear at the time for their experience to become their knowing. I absolutely love that, their experience to become their knowing. Mm-hmm. Well, as we are uh, coming to a, a close in our in our time, is there uh, anything in particular you would like to um, promote or have us know about or uh, something you would like someone to come uh, to at this year in? Well, thank you. You know, there's an active calendar that's up on the website, so we're okay. all over the place. Um, upcoming workshops um, are going to be Gosh, in um, Sedona, in Denver, in Des Moines, Indianapolis, San Diego, the Esalen Institute. It's an active calendar. I'm probably someplace near wherever somebody is living, so, you know, feel free to come. And, um, and again, I channel online on Wednesday nights, and that information is up there at uh, paulselig.com. Yeah, so everyone, please stay in touch and and also participate and be part of this tremendous work. And I just want to say thank you so much, all of you, for listening and being part of the Intentional Spirit Radio Show. And and we give thanks, and that was a key thing that Paul said as we were talking with him earlier, is that he's very clear about setting his intentions. Intentions are extremely powerful for the next, for the now moment, and more importantly, moving forward in your lives. Thank you so much for supporting Unity Online Radio, and thank you for tuning in to templehays.com and firstunity.org. God bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey that we call life, and be happy and glad and humble that you are part of that. Thank you so much. So did I. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.